and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we'll welcome guest host Dr. Leonie Letzum to the pod. We'll discuss imaginary travel plans, HBCU pride, and some of the things that challenge our ability to show up whole. But before we do that, let's check in. My people, what's good? Hey. Hey. Yeah. All right. Holistically here. (laughs) All right. If you hear a new voice, um, it is our guest host today. You'll get a chance to learn a little bit about her. Um, But we had a conversation and we wanted to make sure that the conversation that we had today had a diversity of thought and perspectives. And there's no better way to do that, and particularly honoring uh, women this month, than to add a voice of a dear friend, uh, Leonie Letzum. So, Leonie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> welcome. Yeah. So, um, we will get to Leonie uh, in short order, but uh, I want to check in to see what's up with, uh, with Brian and the family. B, what's going on? Hey, first of all, it's good to see all of y'all. Happy to see these smiles. Uh, we're getting a lot better with this sleep training. I tell you that much, baby girl. Hey. Now is sleeping like six hour stretches, and so yeah, That's a win. amen to that. Yeah, that is, listen, that midnight feed, and then that top off at twelve. Not like listen. She's sleeping. It's about four o'clock. We put her down at eight. She wakes up at four o'clock. So that's huge. So she's growing. So that's definitely, uh, definitely a blessing, and that's amazing. And now I started preschool last Monday. And so hey. uh, it, it goes by really, really fast. <clears throat> so I got mean, a little choked up there. Sink. I mean, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. The funny thing was that we dropped them off. Right. And mm-hmm. you could you're only allowed to bring a backpack on the first day. So we went out and we got a backpack just for the first day. And I was like, look, we put in a little black fist on his backpack. I got me a Wu-Tang pin. I put that on his backpack. And I'm like, this kid is walking in with a mask. His hair is just lovely curled up everywhere. And he got a black flower <laughs> pin on the back of his backpack walking in this white school. I'm like, hey, we setting the tone. He's ready. So uh, this kid came in and he turned around. He was like, bye, daddy. Bye, mommy. I was like, can I get a kiss? He was just like, peace out. <laughs> oh, that's great. So the independence, I'm seeing that, which is hard to let go, but it has to be something that you are proud of. And so, um, yeah, I mean, other than him not eating his lunch for three days in a row, <sighs> can't complain. I, I see. I see how you're working, Brian. Because your son will invariably have the only backpack that won't get lost all year. That's true. He doesn't have to put his name on it. That's true. It's not one that's going to end up at somebody else's house. That is definitely true. The Uh the backpack with the black power fist is going to your house every day. That is true. I can see it now. Don't touch that backpack. 
Like, leave it alone. Yeah. Not even. He's about to leave it. They running out. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Don't forget your bag. Don't you forgot something. You forgot something. So, so yeah, but no, other than that, like I said, I'm just happy to see y'all and, and, and be kind of back in the groove again and just to see our families grow. And, and uh, during this pandemic, man, like we've weaved our way through a lot of this tumultuous madness um, to see our kids still flourishing. So that's the check-in, mm-hmm. ma'am. Just just blessed and highly favored. I hear okay. that. Harris, what's good, man? Man, life is good. Life is beautiful. I, um, you know, I've been, I think maybe it's three, three shows now I've announced uh, me doing my coaching certification and yes. uh, I, I, fi- I finished my hours nice. uh, of uh, the learning portion. So now I am, um, I have a hundred hours to become, so I could take the test. So I am taking clients. Okay. I, I had my first uh, one-on-one session and here's the biggest thing, you know, as an empath, as someone who like feeds off emotions, um, by the end of the session, I was still energized. Nice. And and that that's huge. Like as an introvert and all of that, for for the session to be over, I was it, I was actually amazed. I was expecting to be drained, and not even a bad way. But when it was over, I said, "Oh." Oh, I could do this, you know. So I'm feeling pretty geeked about it, you know. So yeah, it's a new season of life. That's what's so up. Question, Harris. If there's what's somebody, up? somebody out there, right, mm-hmm. and they're not sure if this service is something that they could benefit from, like what what does an ideal client look like? Mm, an ideal client. So I would say an ideal client will understand. Uh, an ideal client will be looking to for an accountability partner, uh, someone to help them pull out what's already within. So, for example, you know they talk about this a lot in the Black community, uh, imposter syndrome. You know, it might not have to be that deep, but if somebody's like, "I know I can do it," um, or and they're looking for somebody to help them pull that out, or at least at the bare minimum, help them put that in order so they can um, achieve those steps. That's a big part of what coaching is. It's not mentoring or consulting where, you know, I'm the expert, you're the expert. I'm just the expert at getting out of you what's there. Okay. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So, yeah, it's executive coaching, life coaching. It's it's exciting, man, just to see people light up and just be on some... You know, wow, I did know. And, you know, for whatever reason, I was blocking or there was a block uh, for me accessing what's there. Oh, man, it just lit me up. So I look forward to future conversations because in the past episodes, you've talked about being an empath and how Mm -hmm. you can take on, even without like choosing, somebody else's energy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I look forward to hearing how that's working out for you or any skills that you've kind of picked up to be like, oh, I'm going to help you, but you keep that energy over there. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes. Well, yes. I, I'll tell you something my cousin told me and she, who also kind of identifies as an empath. She also says that if at the end she's drained, that means she's done too much. Okay. Meaning that, you know, in this relationship period, it's really supposed to be the coachee that's doing, you know, 80-20. 80% supposed to be them. So if she's drained at the end, she's doing too much. So I, I kind of keep that in the back of my head as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what about so, you, man? Um, so what's what's going on with you, D? Yeah, so this isn't the greatest check-in for me, but it is a celebration. So um, I had a death in the family. Um, An older relative, he was 78, but, you know, you're always too young to go in in, in somebody's eyes. And so, Mm -hmm. but what I can say is he lived a really, really full life and all of my memories of of him are positive. Um, Ella never met him. And so she was asking, you know, and I said, well, you know, while you never met him, if you've ever you know, laugh too so hard that your stomach hurt or, you know, whenever one of your friends came in the room and it was that friend, you just thought back to that last time where y'all shared that joke and a big smile mm-hmm. uh, came over your face or when they smile, you smile. I said, then you, you've shared the kind of experiences that this guy created. And, and we just had a really good conversation about death and life in a way that, that wasn't draining. Yeah. And so, um, you know, while I'm sad and while he'll certainly be missed, um, his last couple years, he wasn't in the best health. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that journey is over. So I, I'll give I, honor to him tonight. Um, but yeah, that's where I am. I, I would say that as, as an educator, that was the best framing of vividly placing an example of a feeling that Ella has actually had mm-hmm. into helping her understand that connection to you emotionally because it's difficult at times for kids to understand emotions as it disconnects from something that they didn't have a connection to Uh but she has a connection to that feeling and that feeling is that story that you shared and so i give you kudos on that because thank you at at times it's difficult and i've seen parents do this especially with the loss and i'm not trying to add levity to it but when they explain loss to their kids by way of like an animal it, it's, it's difficult. Death is difficult, period, to try to explain to anyone, but let alone a kid. But the way that you did it is an example of that connection that you have with her. So kudos. Was, was he local or was he no, was he national? No, he was back in, back in California. Okay. Um, so, you know, my story, all of my family moved from Oklahoma in my grandmother's generation. And he was one of the older children of my grandmother's older siblings. So um, all of his, I believe all of his 78 years was in California, in the Baldwin Hills, L.A., Crenshaw area. And um, so, I mean, a huge community. Lots of people love him and he'll be well remembered. Um, But he was he was one of the elders, even though he was a cousin. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he Mm -hmm. was treated like, um, you know, because he was. Like I said, he was 78. So he was of that grandparents' generation for some of them. Well, I tell you this, it's this topic today and our guests is right on time because there is definitely a connection to what you have just exhibited for Ella and being able to know how to show up. So, you know, it's it's a good segue uh, into this topic today, man. Kudos. Hey man, listen. Thank you for making it with your smooth radio voice, bro. I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I don't like you right now. I swear. Hey, listen. Let's educate. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is Brian on the five o'clock drive. If y'all are feeling real swaggy today, let me stop. Go ahead. That could be a moves. part-time career for you, actually. Listen, oh, which part? <laughs> But, I'll let him figure that out. <laughs> so that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I appreciate it. 
it's not often that you can say that you've had a friend for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly not one that you that you met met at work. <laughs> and um I am am very fortunate and, and I would even go so far as to say blessed. Um because one of my oldest friends, uh Leonie Letzum, Dr. Leonie Letzum, yes. um is 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 here. And um it's it's been a journey back to Altadena in Pasadena, California. Um, yes. She may not remember, but the first time I ever talked to Leonie was on the phone because some kind of way uh, she and my cousin uh, had exchanged phone numbers and <laughs> I met her on the phone and didn't actually meet her until several years later. And um, we went to school in an era where if somebody didn't go to your school, they were a stranger. You know, and to be as close of friends as we were, to have never actually went to school together. We never went to middle school or high school. In college, we went separate directions. But it's just a testament of the friendship, but also the the quality of the connection. And so I could talk all day, but um, y'all would be well well served to hear her voice. And so without (laughs) any further ado, I'd like to welcome Leonie Letts, Dr. Leonie Letts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Yeah. You know what, Dion? I did not remember that conversation at all. (laughs) I did not. It it meant more to me, clearly. Yeah, I'm about to say, Dion just be making up (laughs) (laughs) It's probably true. It's probably true. He has a memory like an elephant. Yeah. No, no, no. I do recall the first time. To have a memory like an elephant, or to know the no, Don. No, 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 the what, Don, which one? that memory, because he would be like, <laughs> oh, "Hey, you know, okay. you owe me thirty dollars from two years ago." And he'll make you feel like you need to remember, right? Yeah, no, right? You I... give him fifty dollars instead, so <laughs> just for interest. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but thank is, you for the invite. So you know. Having... Of course. Yeah, thank and, you for um, the invite. Thank you for uh, having me here. Um, I appreciate the fact that you guys take your time to do this and share your insight and energy with the atmosphere, you know. Um, Dedan, I remember the first time I met you, I thought that you were always a very unique person, to say the least. And um, that still mm, reigns mm. true today. Mm. <laughs> very well, special person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's that mean? Did I, 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 I want to be in Tony, Tony, Tony growing up? I, I have that feeling that he did. No, oh, that's a but yes. I he's always been that. an excellent dancer, though. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we perfect. go. Perfect. Kwame in the house. Hey, without the haircut <laughs> and the polka dots. All right, all right. Stop, stop, stop. Get back to this uniqueness. So, so well, let me do this. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to, I want to let the people know why it, it's important that Leone's here. Um, for the entire time that I've known Leonie, she has facilitated tough conversations. Um, she has never backed down or shied away from the things that she feels strongly about, no matter how many people felt them with her or if she was the only one. And um, while technically there are three guys and and one woman on the, on the call, I have no, no problems thinking that Leonie won't be able to hold her own if there was any if there was any conversation that we didn't align in thinking. And I know that her voice and her sentiments will be heard and and well-received. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, Leonie has been facilitating conversations 
um, on her college campus, in her in her professional work, and has also recently started a podcast. So she'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, I'm just really, really happy to be here and to have this conversation today. So um, thank you for agreeing to come on. And most importantly, uh-uh. I appreciate in advance you sharing in the, this question of the week. Yes. Which I have been looking forward to. I have no. taken all the feedback. And I have simplified the question because I'm tired of, of getting the, the back talk. So mm-hmm. Look at God. I mean, thank you, Jesus. Now watch here how complex this question is. Watch. Well, well, listen, don't, don't praise yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So in, in, in I don't honor like the question Leone, already. In, in honor of Leone, who, oh my who gosh. is a, a lifelong traveler, this question is travel-based. So you have two choices. This goes to everybody. You have two choices of, of a trip. One is an all-expenses-paid trip to any one place you want to go in the world with whoever you deem as your family. So it's not who I consider your family. It's who you consider your family to be. Or option B is a 24-hour trip to the moon with any one person in the world who is not in your family. Which option do you choose? Might not be allowed back if I don't go with my wife to the moon. No, but she can't. Stay your butt right there. And she's like, you gonna go to the moon and leave me with these kids? Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Take a look I, can, I, can, I can hear it right now. The moon? The moon? Without me? <laughs> okay, okay. You smoking something. <laughs> right. So um, take, take your pick and then tell us where you would go. Hmm. Can you state the question one more time? <laughs> sure, sure. Here it is. You got option A. Uh-huh. Option A. A trip, a trip to any place in the world that you like, all expenses paid, with whoever you define your family as. Option so B. So multiple people. I, I, who, whoever you define your family as. Okay. okay. Option B, a trip to the moon where you're only on the moon for 24 hours with a person who is living who does not fit into your definition of family. So that same definition of family, one person who does not fit into that. How long will it take you to come up with this question? <laughs> How long is it going to take you to answer it? That's the real. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, my, I got my, my answer. My wife for both of them. My, okay. my, answer, my answer is real simple. Look, I ain't never been to the moon. And I'm not a window shopper. Mm. I, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not one of those people who, who be like, I'm not one of those people who be like, oh, you know, that, that thing out there is great and I can't achieve it. No, I want to go with the known quantity. So I'm going to pick my family and we're going to go, yeah, we go to Barbados. Let's go to Barbados, what? have a family Wait a reunion. Minute, you are, what? okay. Okay, no, no. Well, am no I judgment. missing the point? No judgment. Absolutely. No, it's right, too late. Right. You just this is me. This is me checking myself. Right. I didn't know so this was go- called question of the judgment week. I mean, no, no. I, listen. <laughs> how dare you? This is go with your family. This is the moon. This is me falling back. Okay, you're going to Barbados for a family. Now, the only thing left here is define your family, just so we can get a... Oh, a no, a, I mean, so we, we have a group of family that we go, like, every other year um, to... Um, the, we go to Beach Week, but we haven't been to Barbados and seen the Barbados family in, like, like 20 years. So, yeah, that's where we going. Okay. 
That's beautiful, man. I'm not a window shopper. <laughs> that's a fake. That, that's beautiful. That's a real fake. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, man. yeah. Hey, man, so, listen. So plastic. Yeah. I got to, I got more work to do on myself, okay? So just let me say the right thing until I get A work in progress. <laughs> you know yeah. how many unsolved mystery shows I've seen? No, I ain't going no more. Yeah, and the like black they, person they, always they, what? First. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Yeah, where's Harris? We don't know. Where's Elon Musk's last spaceship? Oh, destroy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, as you get stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. But it's cool. Go ahead. That's true. That's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. You're smart. Your whole family gone. Just just like that, because you're being selfish. But together. Yeah, okay. All right, Leonie, you're up. Um, So I, too, like Harris, would not be going to the moon. Because there's too many unknown factors. And although I like to travel and explore, I also like what's known. So I would actually go to Australia and I would take, you know, my who I consider my close immediate family with me, which would be my mom, my dad, and my son. Okay. Pretty simple. And Australia, because I've always been obsessed with Australia. Like since I was Probably eight. I've been the, doing research on Australia, writing reports on Australia, and I have this wow. like, so you know, lightweight so you, obsession. So you know how deadly Australia Wait, is. Wait, I was yeah, just they, about they, to go there. So the only reason I haven't been is because everyone keeps telling me, you know, there's like so many things that can kill you there. There are mm-hmm. over 200. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I didn't go the time that I had planned to go because I had like 10 people tell me about how deadly Australia was. And I felt like that was a sign from the universe. So, you know. <laughs> I can't touch it. I ain't never right. been. So wait, wait. So you will go if it's paid. I will go if it's paid. You will risk because your life for paid. Money There's to no kill limit myself. to the expense, you know? So I can stay so at the Ritz Carlton. I can, you know, I don't necessarily have to rough it in the outback. It can be kind of luxe. Yeah. Mm, okay. I like that. Or, or, or you can like hire six kangaroos to protect you at all times. <laughs> right. That's what you can hire you, is a kangaroo. First of all, <laughs> I like to get six kangaroos for protection. <laughs> that like, right okay. there. Aren't you here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> oh, man. That's all hilarious. Right, um, so, you know what? I'm going to answer this the way. I want to. So I would go to the moon. Definitely would go to the moon. Um, and I don't know who I would go with. So that's why I'm just going to answer it that way. Now, when it okay. comes to a trip, I would love to go to the Seychelles Islands, the coast of Africa, with my moms, my sister, and my wife. What just happened? So you going to you both places? Both he did. Pretty much, Yes. <laughs> Heck yeah, I am. Look, I'm gonna take a left. Choose, I'm gonna take a left around the moon and land in the Seychelles. <laughs> the Seychelles, okay, yeah, man. I mean, okay. I think that's how you say it. The Seychelles, hey, the Seychelles. Th- that's all right. You'll, you'll hey. find out soon enough. Let's right, get it. Right, go yes. ahead, get this recorded. <laughs> that's cold blood. Yeah, we gonna, It's actually pronounced. It's actually pronounced. Uh, I, I don't know. It's something about the outer space. I listen. I much rather go out knowing that that is. Something that I would never have an opportunity to do instead of sitting here being like, the moon landing was fake. Well, I want to go up there and see them footprint or make the first footprint. <laughs> I'd be like, and I've seen it. I don't know. So, <laughs> what, would you, what would you do? 
it's it's probably clear from my disdain mm-hmm. uh, of y'all's answers that I would head straight to the moon. Yeah. Um. I, the idea. Well, first off, the pictures that I could post on the gram would be amazing. <laughs> that is true. That is definitely and, true. And and y'all would get sick of me because I would be moon dropping. To every conversation. Like, you know, when I was on the moon, you know, that, that was something I was thinking about. But no, I just the idea of seeing the sunrise, yep. um, not from Earth, seeing the Earth from the moon, I think would be incredible. Um, and, and I just think it would be an experience that, that I couldn't pass up. And, and the person I would take with me is... This part is, is, might be a little odd, but there, there's a rationale. I would take Jimmy Carter... And the reason why I would take Jimmy Carter is because this cat took a L on the largest stage. Yeah. And I would say that the things that Jimmy Carter will be remembered for when he's no longer here is all work that he's done post-presidency. Like the, his Nobel Prize, his, yeah, his yeah. humanitarian work, everything that we know him for other than being a peanut farmer and being from Georgia is probably something that he did after he left. And I would just love to talk to him about resilience and, and how he was able to not be bitter. Because, I mean, as these people still refer to Ronald Reagan and all his greatness, I know that has to burn. Or for me, that would burn. And, mm-hmm. and just to, to kind of talk to him about, like, how do you let that go and focus on a bigger picture and do good work without being uh, consumed by what wasn't because mm. not because you weren't the most qualified or you didn't have the better ideas, but just because it wasn't in the cards for you. Um, so yeah, that would or be that good. wasn't his but, purpose. Uh, and perhaps that yeah, purpose. Mm-hmm. That, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, there I, you go. Ooh, that's the I mean, same way. Yeah, y'all, y'all so, getting deep. I feel Ooh. bad saying going up there with Chris Rock. I just like to laugh all the way up there <laughs> instead of being hey. scared. Hey. And then every time he would do a set, he would have to talk about me. Yeah, so me be. He was he, he peed himself. <laughs> <laughs> he peed himself. <laughs> On the moon. On the moon. So I hear the rocket calling me. Today's topic is what stops us from showing up whole? Um, but before we, we, we jump into that, uh, one of the things that we like to do whenever we get someone new to the show is we, we give them an opportunity to share a little bit about them in their own words. So, um, Leonie, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is if you had a memoir, but it was only six words, what would your six-word memoir be? And, and what would that tell us about you? Six words. Let's see. Um, attain happiness without tainting the happiness of others. <laughs> it's more than six, but close, something like that. All right. So why? Because um, that's my mantra for life. I feel like a lot of times when we approach life, we're kind of living for other people or trying to live through other people and we're not really living for ourselves. And I think the ultimate challenge is to continue every day to do things that are going to make you happy and make you feel complete without allowing those things that you do for yourself to infringe on the happiness of others, right? Um, and I don't know why that's always been my, I, I, somehow that was like birthed in me, you know? 
because I, I, I know that we only have a short period of time here. And in the moments that we do have here, it's important that not only are we evolving who we are, but that we're enjoying that journey. Okay. I love it. That's real. I love it. Do no harm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But figure you out. <laughs> figure yourself out. Yeah. Was that out. something that you learned from Grambling? Was that something that you... Uh, uh, no, this has uh, literally been my mantra since I was uh, like maybe in elementary school. Like this is... Wow. Yeah. That's real. Okay. Sounds and it's been a challenge because you know you have to find the balance in that. Because then you're mm -hmm. you're always conscious of what you're doing and how other people are responding to you, right? Yeah. Um, even though. Let me ask. You, mm -hmm, go ahead. Uh, do you do you feel like you feel other people's emotions? Oh, I'm like, definitely like an discomfort? empath. So I was I okay. I understood what you were saying when you said that. And guess what? I didn't realize I was an empath until probably like five, maybe five to seven years ago. Because when I was younger, really? I'd watch movies and they'd make me feel something that I knew other people around me weren't feeling, right? If I saw somebody get hurt or if I saw somebody laugh or if I saw somebody cry, I couldn't help but to feel those emotions. Even if it was acting, I still felt it, like literally felt it in my body. And I never mm. knew what that was until I discovered, you know, what it meant to be an empath. Um, and then from oh, there, man. I think the journey just evolved. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> my kindred. Yeah, I ain't okay. Thank you so for sharing that, too. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So as we talk about the idea of, of showing up whole, um, and, and I, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, Jeff Johnson who is, uh, to, to call him a personality in, in one particular vein, is, is probably not to do justice, but um, he's known in a, in a variety of circles and in a variety of, of media outlets. But uh, most recently, he's um, created the Men Thrive, uh, both podcasts and um, IG uh, account. And one of the things that he talks about is what would it look like if black men showed up whole? You know, and it, it's something that I chew on a lot. And it's, it's something that I've, that Harris, Brian, and I have talked about off air, but we thought it would be good to have that conversation on air, but to expand it because it's not just black men um, who are here. They're black women and there are, there are others um, who are impacted and who impact our ability to show up whole. So I wanted to have that conversation in a, in a fuller sense. And so I'm, I'm happy to jump into it. But what I realized is that before we can even have that conversation, we have to make sure that we're even talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know what it means to you guys to show up whole. And so I think maybe that should be our first conversation. Like, what does it even mean for you to show up whole? And not for a person, but for you specifically to show up whole. I struggle with that because I don't necessarily fully understand what it means, right? And I think it comes from a place of not ever being able to have done it, to know what it is. You know, I mean, there are so many factors that have conditioned me specifically as a large 
black male, um, whether it has been educational institutions, white dominant spaces, um, the city of Milwaukee, so many different factors. So uh, I don't necessarily know what that means. So struggling a little bit. You know, what's interesting, Brian, is I it occurred to me yesterday that even the question has a whole bunch of privilege. A hundred percent. It presumes that we've ever had the ability. A hundred percent. Or that yeah. we can see it, you yep. know? Um, so I I appreciate your, your answer. Um, and, and, you know, I, I got to say that whatever our definitions is, it's just aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then absolutely, it's okay. Um, what about you, Harris or Leone? Um, well, for me, it's very different. Um, I feel that we have had the opportunity to show up whole um, mm. because we're more than just these bodies, mm. right? We, we're a soul. We have energy within us. And to some degree, I feel like when we were born, we were whole. But what life does is we have these experiences that kind of make us question our wholeness uh, or um, kind Mm -hmm. of deplete who we are. And then we spend the whole journey trying to get back to that place where we feel whole again. Um, And that's how I kind of see it. So for me, showing up whole is showing up as your 100% authentic self, whatever that means to you. No one can tell Mm -hmm. you what that looks like for you. It has to be something that you determine for yourself, right? It's about finding joy in who you are. It's about, again, enjoying your journey and being truly happy with what you've become, what you represent, and the impact that you have on your community. I think a lot about, or here's what I go back and forth between. Is it about how I show up or is it about how I am experienced by showing up? So what I mean by that is um, my first response was going to be, oh, easy, uh, giving someone my undivided attention, right? But in doing that, a lot of what... um, Leon was talking about is a lot of times that requires you kind of bending yourself and melding yourself to be to 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 get that response for someone else to feel that you're showing up whole. So um if I was just gonna say showing up whole for myself, it really is about self-acceptance. It's about saying, look, this is who I am. And you know, just because you may experience it as not whole uh doesn't deplete from what that means for me. Uh, but you know, as a communicator, I have one of my mantras is communication is the response that you're getting. So um you know, does it depend on circumstance or does it depend on, you know, what I choose at that moment? You know, does it change depending on the situation? It's a good question. So for me, it at least my definition was my definition is simple, not not so much the task, but it's it's showing up fully available for for what what's called for. Be it parenthood, be it a job. Um, you know, be it a conversation. And, and sometimes, it, and it doesn't have to do with a lot of action because sometimes to show up whole is to just to be able to fully listen, um, which sometimes we don't realize is should be an active 
uh, experience as opposed to passive. But um, yeah, to me, it's just to be able to be fully present. Um, but like one of the things Brian alluded to, sometimes there's so many facets of who and what we are, in addition to all the things that we have going on that that make that sometimes feel like an impossibility, whether it is or not. It's interesting because I think we've all kind of hit on the fact that at some point we may have experienced what that freedom was. But throughout our lives, there has always been things that have somewhat taken a piece of that away. And so, as Leonie said, we're constantly trying to chase that freedom. And I tell you, it wasn't until I had Nas that what became more clear was being a better version of myself before he was born. And so that sense of freedom was kind of identifying aspects of my own father in that relationship, my mother in our relationship, and saying, what could I do to enhance what was missing in those relationships? And so sometimes it takes another person to help you kind of identify some pieces that were once there. And it kind of gets to what Harris was talking about with coaching. It's there, right? But there are other pieces, there are other individuals that can help you see what was there, um, which, which, which you once thought was, was gone. So, Brian, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Nas because I wanted to ask the, the question to the group. Is there a person or is there an entity? Like, is there a segment of your life where you most fear not being able to show up whole? Hmm. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say fear, but I tell you, there is a sense of relief going back to my hood, my mom's crib, or being with my cousins, or being with my family back in Milwaukee, where it's just like, you can just be, right? You can just be, you can, you can make mistakes. You ain't, you ain't gotta be perfect. Like there almost seems to be this resurgence where people pour in because you have been in scenarios and situations where you had to be stoic or you had to be whatever. Right. But there's definitely a relief that comes with, you know, walking to your mom's crib and, you know, right there on the table is some fried chicken, right? Or, or you can see pictures of your, yourself when you were in middle school. So definitely home base has always been a place of, of being able to get poured into. I don't necessarily think that there is a particular place where I fear not being able to show up. No, I appreciate that twist because if I hear you right, you're saying that these people accept you as you are and there's value yeah. in that. So not yeah. being whole is not seen as less than or, so, uh -huh. or somehow subpar. These are the yeah. people that, that if anything, help make you whole. Yeah, that's and, true. Because, and so when you come in need, they, to use your, your analogy, they, they pour into you. Yeah, and it took, it took some working, right? Because, you know, you 18, you go to college, you think you know everything, right? So you read a couple of books and you come home and you're trying to quote some stuff and, you know, <laughs> families just like... <laughs> Look, I don't care what you're reading. You better go wash them dishes. Right. <laughs> so it's like... And be home before midnight. It's just like, I'm 18. It's just like, and I'm your daddy. So, you know, it is, it's, 
to placate on the fact that even when you think that you have reached a certain essence, what makes you think that? Societal standards, right? But then again, kind of home base. But I guess if you flip your, if I'm able to flip my response to answer your question, D, I fear not being able to show up whole in the home base, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, and that's that's just kind of going deeper into your gift being a curse and your curse being a gift. Sure. Um, this is it's so funny because it's like I'm really of two minds of this. So it, it made me think about my father. And when I tell people about my most, most profound experience of my father, it was that, um, you know, my, my father was born in 1933. So uh, we're talking about somebody who came from the silent generation. And... I, just like B said about college, I distinctly remember coming home from college and after having all these great authentic relationships, probably feeling whole for the first time. I was like, this is what I want from my father. You know, so I came home and I'm like, Dad, you know, I need you to uh, tell me your dreams and your secrets. <laughs> and he was like, boy, if you don't sit down, <laughs> you know, and then he ended up passing away. And the revelation that I came to was, I missed an opportunity to just observe and really just experience him as he was, as opposed to all that mind space that I put towards uh, who I wanted him to be. Uh, So when I think about, so I, I feel it's just a missed opportunity to experience him as he was, which was his whole self. He was giving who he could give. And that's also a lot of, when I think about parenthood, you know, I definitely at a different age would have said, or especially as an early parent, would have said that before I was a parent, you know, I grossly, uh, you know, misread how much energy and whatever that I'd be able to provide. Um, I overestimated my abilities. And who I show up now as a parent, like whatever I got is what I got, you know? And in that limited essence, it's enough. It has to be enough because that's who I am right now. You know, so um, there's just this piece about how is it experienced by others versus um, how I'm comfortable within myself. Leonie, what do you think? I think for me, and it's probably going to be very different from everything that I've heard, I think my most challenging place to show up whole is in the workplace currently. I don't work for myself. I have a very uh, large responsibility here in the state of North Carolina. And sometimes I'm always walking that line between you don't want to look like you're an angry black woman or, you know, but that in essence is just my passion and it shows up that way. And so not fully being able to represent myself and what I do, uh, I think, is the place, the only place where I feel like I don't necessarily always have a chance to show up whole because um, I'm totally always cognizant of how other people are receiving me in that space. Or if I say something, are they going to think I'm being condescending or, I, you know, I'm presenting myself a certain way? Um, because I also feel like for some reason my personality lends itself to people feeling like they want to compete with me all the time, even though that's not the space I'm moving in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, in order to get done the things that I need to get done and that I want to see happen in the community, in the state, I know that sometimes I have to not show up as my complete self in order to make other people feel comfortable with their complete self. The only so question. can I ask a question to all three of you guys? All three sure. of y'all. All three of y'all share something that I don't have and I will never receive. And that is the experience at a historically black college. Being that I've been in predominantly white universities, what was something that allowed for you to understand how awesome you were by way of who you are that I'm not, I was not able to get at a historically white university? Because I've heard great stories from friends that have gone to black colleges about what they learned in class was one thing, but what they learned about themselves was something totally different. Indeed. I am an HBCU advocate. So I, I, I know I see Didon thinking, Harris, you're thinking, because you, I can jump right in. You know, oh, <laughs> this is, I, this is my it. thing yeah. right here. Ride that wave. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and I, if y'all don't know, Grambling, she went to Grambling. Yeah, in the Grambling house, State, the Grambling State University. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> um, so I went to a PWI too. Uh, okay. Initially, I started my matriculation at San Diego State University because it was local and my parents felt comfortable with me being in that space and being closer to home. And then finally, um, into my sophomore year, I was able to kind of manipulate them, so to speak, and do this exchange student program where I ended up at Grambling and I never looked back because the experience Mm -hmm. was very different. At San Diego State, I was a number. I was just one of many people Mm -hmm. in the classroom. Professors didn't know who I was, nor would they acknowledge me if they saw me, because they didn't know me. But at Grambling, mm-hmm. not only was it um, an institution of higher learning, but it also was a family, a family that yeah. supported you, encouraged you, and they saw your strength because they saw you for who you were. You weren't just a Black student. You were this yeah. wonderful being that was showing up in this space from you know wherever you came from. And, they, and their motto is, Grambling is where everybody is somebody. And I felt like that just resonated through everything that they did and what they instilled in the students who were there. That's real. Wow. I Oh, man. She got all these memories flashing back. Um, so when I first, I went to Clark Land University, CAU, Mighty Marcher Path Band. Um, <laughs> I remember... My first couple of days, uh, so like when I when I went, it was like right at the end of when they were still doing like Freak Nick and all that kind of stuff, and the vibe was not Uh-oh. me. Like the the vibe was just not me. I was just kind of like ah, you know, like um, and plus growing up with West African and and um, Panamanian roots, it just. You know, my my experience of what I consider blackness wasn't what I was seeing at that point, at that moment, you know, on outside on the promenade where like all the energy was per se. But I called home and my dad was like, eh, just chill out. And, <laughs> and almost like a day later, I landed just like like me and my core group just gelled hard. 
And it was like, oh, you know, it's not necessarily where all the energy is. It's where you put your energy and um, sometimes where you settle with the energy. So, um, you know, I don't. The HBCU experience for me was still it was still amazing because there were so I was able to gel in so many different groups. Like I was able to gel in the Hispanic group. And in the, you know, um, you know, Baltimore Washington Club group, I probably was the only one that's going to seven different affinity groups. Uh, you know, so the question could be, you know, can you show up whole to seven different groups? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, because I did, you know, so I guess, you know, the short of it is it was it, it probably gave me more opportunities to show up whole than in any other experience. So, Brian, I really appreciate the question. Um, And my answer is directly connected to sort of what I believe I heard Leonie talking about in in her inability or or her her hesitance to show up whole in her place of work. Um, And the question is, like, is my whole being welcome here? And and, and one of the things that, that I really appreciated about Howard is that all of me was welcome at Howard, you know, um... You know, I was a black dude who played water polo. You know, I, I came from Pasadena. Um, I had varied interests. But, you know, there are weird black people from all over the world. And and they found a home at, at Howard, too. You know, and I, and I one of the things that, you know, when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy and needs, and that's, you know, the basic fundamental things that we need in order to prosper, you know, safety is on top, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and when you feel safe in an environment, you know, that's when you are able to thrive. That's when you are not, that's when you can put your guard down, which lets learning come in. So um, in a place of education, be it elementary school or college, it has to be a safe space, you know, because if you are spending time wondering if your instructors hate you or wondering if this assignment assumes that you'll be at the bottom, you know, I I feel for those students at Georgetown's law school um, because it just came out this week. You know, yep. with the professors talking about uh, black students being at the bottom. Now, ironically, I don't think it's a bad idea to have a conversation about how you can support any students that if you are running the numbers and you see that um, one of your populations is being impacted, having a conversation about how we can support students is one thing, but that doesn't appear to be, and there's still more information to come out. So I want to create space mm-hmm. for that to happen. But when you're in a learning environment that you believe is for you, um, not just in words, but actually in deeds and you feel safe, there's a whole nother level of learning and exploration, you know, because college, we're talking about 17 to, you know, 25 for some of us. And older and older and older. And that's, and that's a blessing too. But um, we're talking about an age where people are trying to figure out who you are. You know, mm-hmm. or who they are. And so that was a really, really um, vital time for me to feel safe. And I did. Yeah. And, and I was able to explore all kinds of um, facets of myself. I thank y'all for sharing that for real, because you can never you can never start too early thinking about healthy educational environments. And for a two and a half year old or for a 17 year old, you know, I thought the University of Minnesota was safe, but. I think the deeper aspect of it is who defines what safety is. If safety 
is defined in white supremacy culture. And that's all you've known. You'll experience microaggressions and you just say, oh, that's Tuesday, right? Or the cops will roll up on you on University Avenue and you're just like, well, let me just keep going, right? But, you know, I remember closely, I got accepted in the Southern SU and someone close in our family was like, look, you need to go ahead and go to that white school, right? There are better opportunities, so on and so forth. And I still struggle with that, right? So, but... It's just interesting to hear what you guys got out of out of that experience, uh, because my goddaughter just got accepted into a HBCU and I'm like extremely excited for her. And she lives in Minneapolis. And I'm just like. Yeah, that's what I think I might want you to do, but. It's it's funny that you bring it. Everybody has spoken about, you know, these, um, you know, whether space feels um, safe enough to be to 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 be whole and again being from so many different having so many different backgrounds i can't honestly say that there was any pure space where i felt um completely um completely safe you know uh cuz i'm listening it's like well you know this environment versus this environment um i still so the the thought that goes through my head is like if I show up with with compartments that are closed, does that mean that I'm still not there? I mean, like those parts of me that are closed is now formulating different experiences. Um, I may be protecting it, but it's still present, you know. And there are those who can interact with those parts because there's some who see it. There might be one person there who you could look across the room and, you know, like Dave Chappelle said in his skit, you look at him and you just make that eye contact and it's like, yeah. So, um, you know, I just have to wonder is just because a part of you may be um, hidden, can it still be present? Can you still experience it as present? Because in some ways, that part that's hidden, you're now kind of hypersensitive to it. You're hyper aware of it. So, Harris, I think the question turns on why is it hidden? Is it mm-hmm. hidden because it has to be hidden or is it hidden because you choose not to show that part of you? Mm-hmm. you? You know what I mean? If you're in a If you're in a band room and you don't feel like playing the piano, you don't have to put all your talents on display everywhere you go. But if you are not showing your skill or showing your interest or showing whatever part of you because you think it won't be welcome, that's that's a, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to turn the conversation slightly because we're all parents. Um, we haven't mentioned it, but Leonie, you have a son. Um, Who goes to an HBCU. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what work are we doing or have we done um, to begin to, to help our children um, either show up whole or identify the aspects of themselves that they want to bring to the table? Um, Brian, you're on mute. My bad. Just say that again. Sure. It kind of broke up a little bit. What work are we doing to help our kids show up whole or to create safe spaces for them to bring their full selves to the table? We started with Brian, you talking about 
you getting Nas ready for school and his backpack and making sure that he had the tools that he needed. Um, but what are some of the, the ways that we're working and helping our kids to, to at least see the value of bringing their full selves and their gifts to the table? So I recognize that there are different levels, right? And, and, and as jovial as, as that is with his backpack, that's the cosmetic surface. That's the cosmetic level, right? So, so I recognize the importance of being able to have images and representation and exposing him to certain things that allow for him to understand who he is, where he's come from, and why Black is beautiful. Uh, it's funny, one of the things that I'm most excited about is that uh, he has a Black friend, right? It's his first, right? Because in a lot of the environments that he's been in, it's been a lot of Indian kids, which has been fantastic, or it's been white kids within our neighborhood. Um, but, um, you know, it warms my heart to, to be able to say I know who his first Black friend is, and first of many. But then I also understand that there's the interpersonal, um, being able to help him understand his feelings as I try to unpack some of the things that he may be feeling, right? And, and the honesty and authenticity that comes with having those moments of being vulnerable with him. Like, and these are things that we've talked about throughout the show, right? And so I also have to recognize that I'm still learning. And so as I am still learning, as I make mistakes, he will be aware of some of these mistakes and to be able to use those as, as teachable moments. But I also want to make sure that, you know, the external is that we are putting him in positions to see what wholeness looks like, right? If that's D. Ray McKesson or if that, you know, is, is you know, someone um, of, of a stature that may not be as big as, as an activist. All of those different pieces are, are unique and all of those are aspects of things that we need to take into consideration as parents. You know, I'm actually scared because the way my kid shows up, you know, and I don't want to put this into words, but I often feel like society will attack her, you know, because she shows up in a space. She's handing flowers to police officers. She's speaking to everybody. She's, I want to pick up this trash. I want to do this thing. And it's, it's dope to see. But as a parent, you're like, man, the world is going to break her heart. Yeah. Go eat her alive. Yeah. But I will say this. I see her bending the world to her will, man. And mm. and I I don't want to dampen it because so many parents put the impediments in their kids' way, thinking that that they're trying to to help them. And and, and you know, God bless everybody in the process. But I just don't want to do that. But I but I I do sit back sometimes fearful that, oh, this is gonna be ugly. Mm-hmm. You think so? Like, you think it's going to hit that hard? Or do you think that she will be able to develop the tools for the letdown to be meaningful, understandable? Like, so that I'll draw the distinction. I don't think so, but it is a okay. fear. You know what okay. I mean? Like, That's real. I don't think I'm going to get into a car accident every time I get in the car, but I damn sure buckle up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And That's so, real. as a parent, you know, irrational fears are kind of what we do. And, and, <laughs> and so, but Leone, you have an older son. Um, so I'd love to hear your take. Well, I think for me, it was extremely challenging because I knew the way that I was reared and there were some things that I wanted to change about that in rearing my son. I wanted him to have an opportunity to explore who he was and to determine that. And he, (laughs) he really, um, made a lot of self-discovery early on, 
right? Maybe at two. And so I knew I was in for, uh, I was going to have my hands full (laughs) at that point. Um, I think much like your fears about your daughter, he was showing up so free that people needed to, people found the need to cage him in, particularly in um, an academic setting. So in elementary school, you know, they kept trying to rein him in. He couldn't daydream Mm -hmm. and he couldn't, you know, write things a certain way or he couldn't draw or, you know, it was very restrictive. And I feel that no matter how much we try to um, allow our kids the freedom to constantly be who they are and be be safe in showing up as who they are, there are also environments that we don't necessarily control uh, that will seek to do the opposite. And those are larger systemic things that I think sometimes parents don't think about or think about how they can address outside of homeschooling. Leona, if you don't mind me asking, did you, did you notice a difference when your son left his nest and spent the first semester or the first year and and came back? Did you see, um, you know, some valuable aspects that were added from his first year or semester at, at an HBCU? Like, did you see any no, he's a, any two. Honestly, he's been very consistent in his personality. And Great. that's what I was saying about him discovering who he was early on. In fact, mm-hmm. he took 20 other students from our city with him to his HBCU. So well, nice. Oh, I love it. I, the only thing about that that kind of concerned me is that I didn't feel that it was going to give him an opportunity to meet other people outside of his sphere. You know, and so I wanted him really to have the opportunity to meet people from other places in the United States and form bonds with those people, because I feel like it helps you really understand um, the connection of black people throughout the United States or throughout the world. And also it gives you opportunity to see how other people live. But with him bringing like his own squad, so to speak, for lack of a better term, (laughs) I, I knew that would limit his interactions with people outside of that group. Question: Did he did he uh, graduate with the same squad? He's still in school because I have a philosophy okay. about that too. I told him to get all the degrees that he needs to de- get right now. <laughs> right, take your time. <laughs> There's no rush. You don't need to really? rush to get out there. Um, and I wish somebody would have told me that too. Because what are you rushing to? <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Right. Yeah. So I'm That's I'm real. not in that space where I'm pressuring him to expeditiously move through matriculation. I'm like, discover, you know, explore, learn. And that's what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Nothing like going to school to make you want to get a job and nothing like having a job to make you want to go back to school. Ooh, you nothing like Sally Mae saying, hey. <laughs> Run me my money. <laughs> so... How important is it for you, while we're talking about squads, for you to have a collective of friends or people around you that you can have these type of conversations with? You know, I have a really diverse friend group, and I'm not sure if... I have a friend group where I can share every single aspect of me. 
Um, and mm-hmm. maybe I do, but but I I don't have the confidence to lean on them. Um, you know, you guys know, and Leone, you certainly know. Um, I have a very interesting relationship with my mother, so I I literally can talk to her about everything, and and so having her as a a sounding board um, is valuable to me. Um, having professional mentors has been valuable to me, but my but my friend group or my squad, you know, sometimes when I lean. In spaces, I get that, yeah, what you talking about, you know? And and it's just kind of like, ah, all right, all right, uh, who's going to championship? You know, <laughs> we kind of push back into into some of the realms that, that we're more comfortable as opposed to exploring some of the areas that we may not be as comfortable, but that we need to have the conversation. Mm. So I'm still building it, still building. But I can say that my, that my, my friend group has morphed and changed and we are taking bigger steps together but i still don't know if i if i have a place where i could just share everything other than uh, ironically the person who birthed me that was one of the things that i was uh recently talking about with my wife and missing that friend group by way of relocating to a whole different state um, so I actually have that friend group. My, our, my friend group is super diverse. I mean, I have a little bit of everything, age, color, whatever. And, um, it's interesting because if you like, who's the guy to go to, to grill with, I know that person, like, who's the guy to go to for, uh, you know, advice, women advice, like I know who to go to. And so it's extremely valuable that the friend group is diversity in thought, but also in how they hold me accountable. And I don't I don't have that out here, right? Like, you know, it. I, I have that with with Dean Harris, um, and but you know, our friendship is two and a half, three years in the making. You know, I have some twenty year old, twenty five year old, you know, year friends, and to have that part taken away, especially when we're talking about the birth of kids and and you know, coming on five years of marriage and you know, things of that nature you become more insular or you pour out to your therapist. And it's like my therapist's job is to be my therapist, not to be my friend. And so it, 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 is, it is important and that piece is missing. Yeah, I, um, oh, I moved around a lot growing up. My father's a United Methodist pastor. So, you know, in the United Methodist tradition, they, they'll move a pastor every three to five years, right? So... I only have maybe two, uh, like, like I've never started a school and ended at a school, uh, the same school except until college. So even that, you know, like my graduating class, nah. So, um, the two friends that I do have, um, you know, once we had kids, boom, the split. Uh, the other one, um, we reach out and connect, you know, in, in, in times of, I guess you would say in those moments where you just don't feel understood and you have somebody who just kind of has seen you grow through the years and know the work that you've done. Uh, so I, ha- I have that one person. But um, again, once we once once kids kind of came into the game, yet alone COVID, uh, <laughs> there was a separation. Um, have fraternity brothers. It's just 
so much of my life has been compartmentalized that um kind of like B said is like I can I can I can share this part with this group but then I have to explain this part so then that's when the door comes down uh and vice versa so um I just like most of my life I've had to create this um collage of of community uh and and, and you know maybe that's normal maybe that's what everybody's doing but I I do I've always felt like it's been harder for me than what I've observed uh, from others to have um, just kind of like that core group where they could share everything. So it's almost not fair to ask this question, but so what? What has been your experience with showing up whole in relationships and with your partner? I mean, Faz has been the first one. So what, what mean, does that mean? How's that been? Man, I tell you, it was hard in the beginning. Man, it was hard in the beginning because, listen, it took premarital counseling and a therapist sitting there telling me, like, this ain't you, bruh. And I'm sitting there like, yes, this is. Yes, this is. Um, it It is always hard having somebody show you a mirror. Hmm. And you thinking that you all put together, but that mirror reveals something when showed to you that forces you to have to be introspective and reflect. And so you always have to think of with that person that you can be totally honest with in a relationship that you are a work in progress every day that you're working on something. And there are days that are harder than others. Um, But I can remember being in relationships and not unpacking 99% of myself because that 1% was just fine. I could get by, I was still romantic, I was still this, I was still that. But to be in the inverse of that and say, okay, I can be this, I'm okay being able to share this and expose that, it's a breath of fresh air. It's a breath of fresh air. But it still still is hard, man, it is still hard. I guess my so what would be kind of what I just said, um, being okay with having the collage. Um, because, you know, I'm not sure, I don't know if I believe that um, it should all be on on any one person's shoulders. I know I don't believe that about, you know, someone's spouse. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's where a lot of people mess up by, you know, hoping that, your spouse will be that one and only. And and it kind of plays into that whole illusion of, uh, oh, this person makes me whole, uh, as opposed to two holes coming together and complimenting each other. So, um, Stop it, Brian. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's having a moment. (laughs) Is is that... Wait. wait. Am I sounding crazy right now? No, No, your mic broke up a little bit. (laughs) What does it say? What does it sound like? What is... I ain't gonna even say it. I ain't gonna keep it going. Keep going. I could tell you, but it will totally derail you for the rest of your comment. <laughs> just oh my god! Just finish. Just finish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I can't wait to know what I said. All right. So, um, 
Yeah, I I I really believe in this concept that you know your 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 spouse shouldn't be the one to make you whole. You'd have to show up as as two holes together and complement each other, and um, you know that's where that peace will be. And we have to accept our own responsibility around um, our own growth journey. We talk a lot about therapy, um, so yeah, I would say the so what is. Um, be kinder to yourself. Um, raise the expectations. Uh, ha- have, I don't know, realistic expectations of those around you, but be kind to yourself. How about you, Leonie? Well, outside of the workplace, I attempt to always show up as my whole self. So, um, I again, I think my biggest thing has been me showing up as my whole self and making other people uncomfortable with their whole self or not representing their whole self. Um, So that's where I found the the majority of the challenges in my interpersonal relationships. Um, And being an empath, I can also feel, you know, when other people feel uncomfortable with that. Uh, But I think it is important that we are kind to ourselves, that we're honest with ourselves, and that we're constantly seeking moments and opportunities to grow and evolve what that whole self looks like and how it shows up, Um, not only uh, how other people interpret it, but also how we're interpreting it. And, And I think, you know, just sometimes it's okay to laugh at yourself too, you know? No one has all the solutions. No one knows every answer. And so it's important that we're constantly exploring what that looks like and what we want our life to look like. And it's okay to change midstream too. <laughs> mm. Yes. No, absolutely. It's, you know, we're constantly recalibrating, or at least we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my experience was, has actually been the, well, maybe not the opposite of yours. Maybe I was just the the other partner in the in the situation that you that you presented because i i could have been the king of fragmented relationships i if i look back i have had partners that have not required wholeness right like oh is long distance relationship perfect cuz i don't really want to go out there you know or you're busy and you're a workaholic great cuz i got my own thing too you know um And that was a good space for me because it didn't require that extra step. Um, I'm I'm now currently in a situation where she led by coming, um, or at least by my perception, coming wholly to the table in a way that was surprising to me um, and has held me accountable to that same standard, which is one that I appreciate. Um, Because like Brian said, it's, it's fairly new. You know, um, because even even in places and spaces where we think or thought that we were doing great or doing a whole job, in retrospect, you're like, mm, nah, I wasn't. You know, I was given a great 78% or, you know, I was given all of the 80% that you required. Um, but so it's, it's, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting experience now, one that I, I appreciate and uh, that I hope will continue. Uh, well, this has been dope. Um, yes, this- truly. 
Before we wind down, Leonie, let the people know what you're doing. And if they want to hear more from you and more of you, where they can do that. Right. So um, I am a co-host of a podcast called Follow the Crown. That can be, you can locate us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, our IG page, or on YouTube. We have only recorded three episodes, but we're looking forward to recording many more. And Follow the Crown is a space where we explore the relationship between Black black men and Black women and Mm. have open dialogue about things that may hold us back from connecting um, from a historical standpoint to what's happening in our modern day lives. That's dope. Nice. And we'll, we'll definitely put a link to your IG and your Facebook uh, feeds in our show notes. So um, as we, as we close out, I just want to ask what's going on. What are you looking forward to or what's giving you inspiration in the days to come? Well, um, I think for me, I'm looking forward to moving closer into some summer weather or sunshine weather, I should say. Yeah. Um, I relocated to North Carolina from Las Vegas, Nevada, um, which is primarily sunny for the majority of the year. Uh, We have a couple of cold months. Well, we used to have a couple of cold months here and there. But moving to North Carolina, I am experiencing all the weather conditions that I could possibly experience, which is new for me because even growing up in California, you know, like they say, it never rains. So it's very sunny and high energy. And occasionally you'll get some rain here and there, more wind than anything else. So moving to North Carolina, getting rain for like two months out of the year <laughs> every day is a it's an eye opener. You know, it's a some takes something to get used to. But I'm looking forward to some sunny days here in the next coming days. Nice. Cause I nice. am definitely nice. a summer baby. <laughs> and I need the mm. sunshine. And I'm West Indian, so you know. I, ah. I like tropical weather. <laughs> nice. Well, I am finally, finally, finally starting my business. Like actually starting a business, an LLC. Oh man, this how long we known each other? Two and a half years. <laughs> stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Don't don't. Fix your face. Fix your face. I am finally, <laughs> finally starting uh, my business, and um, you know, I, I have a I have a great financial advisor, and uh, he's you know really kind of helped me through, get focused, and just kind of you know walk through all the steps. So uh, I'm excited about it. It's 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 a long time coming. So yeah, you ready to shout your business name out, or you want to say yeah, give us I'm hold on there. I'm hold on there. Tease the people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So you got to but tune, it's coming. Tune back in to find out what Harris's business is made. <laughs> get the people what they want. Um, <laughs> I, I listen. We all have our vaccines. We are extremely blessed. Um, hey. You know, my wife got both of hers. I got both of mine. Uh, my mom uh, got both of hers. So she booked her flight. Uh, she will be coming to see us in April. I am over the moon happy uh, with my mom's flying out to meet baby girl for the first time 
after a year. And so that has also allowed for us to think about the small things that we are looking forward to. Um, Nas went to a playground for the first time after a year on Monday. And just to see the joy in him going down the slide, just having those moments. And so those are definitely some pieces that are giving us some inf- from inspiration. And then um, to all of our listeners, I want to be able to, to pay it forward. Um, if you are a family with a young one or one on the way, uh, we have baby clothes, we have a baby bassinet, and again, shout out to Dr. Miles, one of our former guests, um, that gifted me with a lot of these things. I would love to be able to give it to a, a Black family um, if they are in need of these items. And if you are, um, you know, hit us up via uh, our social media or, or, or email, and, and if you live within the area. Yeah, I'm sorry, I ain't going out of state. I'm going, I'm going ten miles, people. If you if you are eleven miles, I might go eleven miles, but y'all need to be close. But I would love to be able to provide the blessing to another family. So if that's the case, please hit us up. You're literally ten miles from DC and Virginia, though. I'm just saying. Listen, if you live in Silver Spring, I can't do nothing for you. Hey, meet him at the golf course. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nah, what about you, D? Man, what's 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 definitely giving you inspiration? Um. So we're f- we're recording this in mid March. Um, in two days, will be the twenty twenty one South by Southwest conference, and yeah. I, I am honored yeah. to be on a panel that that'll be featured at, at this year's conference. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I'm dope. about to interrupt you. I'm so proud of my boy. Uh, for so many reasons, but I'm gonna let him go ahead and get his shine. I just wanted to go ahead and. Just let him know. I'm proud well, of him. I, I appreciate it. And no, you don't. Keep going. What's cool is that I'll be able to talk about um, my favorite thing, which is is parent parenthood and being Ella's dad. And so um, our present our our presentation our, our panel is um, entitled "Transform Parenthood," and it just mm-hmm. talks about in this period of disconnection um, with the coronavirus and everything that's going on. Um, ways that that's impacted um, culture, community, and companies, but particularly parenthood. So um, I'm really excited. Um, it was not something that was on my bucket list, but you know that's why uh, God laughs at man's plans. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm humbled by the opportunity, and I intend to make myself enjoy the experience because who knows when something else like this will come along. So, hey, and how exciting, can folks man. be able to see this panel? Please let the world and us know. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, by the time this comes out, either you were at South by Southwest or you weren't, but um, they have a 90-day period where the panel belongs to them. But after that, then um, they turn it back over to us and we can use it. And I am excited to share it and got a 90-day ticker so that I can show it to the family and friends who have been my community who have helped me to develop um, the approaches and who have kind of steered me in the right direction thus far. Um, So I'm really, really excited. I will definitely share it. I'll definitely make sure that uh, the Dad Jeans community knows about it. And um, yeah, look forward to it. Me and B gonna have a problem if we ain't hit up on day 91. 
Hey, I'm just going to let you know right then. I'm listen, saying on day listen. 90. Like, <laughs> like what are they going to do? What are they going to do? The problem you're going to have is I'm going to call you tonight at, at day 89, and Brian will going to be like, you woke baby girl. I was like, hey, listen, get to your See, laptop. See, why are you always putting it on late. me? See, I swear, man. Yeah, listen. absolutely. <laughs> what, am I going to take the blame on myself? No, sir. 100%, as you should. Ain't this about vulnerability? Anyways. No, it's about showing up home. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of such, this has been a conversation on what's the us from showing up whole. I want to thank our special guest host, Dr. Yes. Leonie Letzum. Yes, um, yes. Thank you, thank you. Please check her out in, in all of the iterations yes. that she represents. She is a person who I can definitely attest shows up whole and challenges others to do the same. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Dad Jeans podcast. We always love hearing from our listeners. If you agree, disagree with something that we've said, hit us up. Um, our email address is info at Dad Jeans Podcast. Uh, let us know if you would go to the moon or if you would go on a trip uh, with, with your family. And where would you go? Um, and, you know, we haven't had a comments episode in a while. So let us know. Uh, let us know what y'all thinking so we can give y'all some responses. We appreciate the feedback. Check us out um, on Facebook and IG at Dad Jeans Podcast. And as always, if you like us, share us with a friend, but only after you've given us a five-star review. Five, five stars. Yeah. And in the meantime, <laughs> know that you're appreciated. <laughs> we ask that you stay safe, stay sane, and do good. And until next time, peace. Peace. peace.